Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You can also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. so glad that you are with us today. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you are a newcomer with us today, we are honored uh, to have you worshiping with us today. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. So grateful that you are a part of the Quad City family as well. Uh, today, we are continuing this series that we've been in for, in the book of Romans. Again, if you're a newcomer with us, we're so grateful that, to have you. Uh, We take preaching of the Word of God seriously here. In fact, it's one of the things we say is a core value for us is that we teach the Bible. And what we mean by saying that we teach the Bible is we don't just teach Bible topics, we teach Bible texts. And so that means for us is that we're going to spend the rest of 2022 and likely half of 2023 working our way through the book of Romans. And so invite you to bring your Bible or grab your book. So if you've got your Romans book, uh, we've got the October, uh, whatever this is, section uh, out in the lobby. And so if you're tracking along with us, you've got your notebook, you can grab that on your way out. Uh, But we'll be diving into our October section starting next Sunday. So grab that uh, before you leave today. We are in chapter two today, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And so we're going to actually begin today where we just began reading, and that is in verse 17. And so grab your books, grab your Bibles, let's dive in. And I just need to remind you today, we are still in the bad news section of the book of Romans. So take a deep breath, put your helmet on. Here we go. Now, if you call yourself a Jew, pause, time out. Um, how many of y'all call yourselves a Jew? Okay, we got one. We got one and a half. All right. We got. So here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to read this and think, oh, well, this is I get a pass this week. Thank God. Don't don't do that. That's not how this works today. I know some of you are thinking, I don't call myself a Jew. Never called myself a Jew. Have no interest in being a Jew. I like bacon and ham and sausage and shrimp. Way too much for that. But hold on, I do want to remind you of what we talked about last week. In the context of the church in in Rome, you had two sections. You had the Gentiles on one side, the Jewish Christians on the other. And it was the Jewish believers who were 
the ones who had followed the one true God. It was the Jews who had memorized the biblical prayers. It was the Jews who had generations of faith in their families. It was the Jews who loved and sometimes even obeyed the word of God. It was the Jews who worshiped on the Sabbath with the people of God. The Gentiles in the church had none of that, like none of it. They were legit pagans. Like they were worshiping all sorts of God in all sorts of sinful ways. They did not know or follow the one true God. They didn't have any teaching, uh, anyone teaching them the, a biblical worldview. They didn't grow up waiting on a Messiah to come and save them. They didn't even know, know they needed to be saved. And that may be some of your stories. But as we learned last week, it's not most of your stories. For the majority of us, we have a whole lot more in common with the religious Jews in the church of Rome than we do with the pagan Gentiles. So don't count yourself out. When he's talking to the religious Jews, if you have those things true of you, you grew up in a church, you had the Bible accessible, you knew the word of God, you had faith in your family for generations, if that's your story, you're a lot more like the Jews than the Gentiles. So, we walk through this text, picture yourself in that camp, okay? Now, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of, of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Pause. We'll stop it right in the middle of a thought. But God, I want to make sure that we understand again, just this helps us understand what camp we're in. Like he goes through and makes sure that we understand what camp we are in. On the one hand, you have all of the godless Gentiles. And on the other side, you've got the religious Jews. And what what makes up the religious Jews? How do you know if you're in their camp? Well, he begins with, if you know God's will. Do you know God's will? How many of you would say, I know God's will? You're able to discern the difference between the, God, the things God does want and the things God does not want. Like you could tell someone, I don't know everything, but I know he doesn't want you to do that. Then you're in this he says, you're able to approve of what is superior. Like, you understand the difference between what is good and what is better. You can get what's good and what's not. And you know that there are some things that have a higher moral ethical value than other things. You're able to figure that piece out. You are instructed by the law. Well, we would say it this way, instructed by the word of God. Have you been instructed by the word of God? Do you have a biblical foundation for what you understand to be right and wrong? And if you live in a Western culture, then the answer to this, this one is yes, by the way. You don't even have to have grown up in church to have been instructed by the word of God. Like that is our Western values are based on the law on God's word. It's something we take for granted, but it was not always that way. 
and that's a whole other sermon. If you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, are you convinced that you're a guide for the blind? In other words, have you ever said out loud, like, what is wrong with people? Like, what is wrong with people? Don't they know better? Like, have you ever had the thought that the world would be a better place if everyone just believed like me? Then you have convinced yourself that you're a guide for the blind. That you are a light for those who are in the dark. Like, have you have you ever felt like that, that you were able to see things clearly that other people just can't see? And that actually you have the ability, if they, if, if, if they would let you, you would point it out to them. You'd help them to see it. That, have you ever thought you are an instructor of the foolish and a teacher of little children? I feel like those are the same. Those are about the same. And, and on top of all this, do you have these feelings? Do you, do you believe these things because, because you believe that in the word of God, we have the embodiment of knowledge and truth? Like that's the foundation of all of it. That's what makes you able to do all of those other things. Because you know the word. Okay. If the answer is yes, Again, Paul's trying to help us figure out which category we see ourselves in. If the answer is yes, then you can for sure believe that you fit on the religious side of this conversation. And so to these people who fit in this category, Paul has one question for them. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Do you not teach yourself? Like all of you who know better, do you actually do better? Like you who have the truth, do you live by the truth? You who know the commands, do you obey the commands? You who judge others, do you live up to your own standards? You who believe in God's word, do you behave like you believe in God's word? That's the question. You teach others, do you not teach yourself? And now he's going to get really specific. And he's going to call us out today. Here's the first question. You who preach against stealing, do you steal? Like if you fit in this category, you're like, of course stealing's wrong. No one should steal. We shouldn't do that. But Paul's asking, but, but do you? I know you say you shouldn't, but, but do you? Like, are you using a Netflix account that you're not paying for? Are you declaring all of your cash jobs as income and paying the taxes that go with it? Like, are, are you doing personal work on your employer's time? Or are you stealing the money that they're paying you? Are, are you working your full eight hours that you are getting paid for, or are you stealing that money? He continues, 
You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? But again, we would all say, no, you don't commit. Nobody should be committing adultery. But again, Paul's trying to get below the, below the big issue and say, look, look, what is adultery? Are you looking at porn? Jesus said, if you're lusting after someone, you are committing adultery. That's what it is. Do you fantasize about someone you're not married to? Like, do you enjoy scrolling through your Instagram feed full of Instagram models? Do do you like watching Game of Thrones or Bridgerton? You say we should not commit adultery, but are you committing adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You You would say... None of us should be having anything put above God in our life. That's what it means to have an idol. That there are things in our life that are above God. That's an idol. You would say nobody should do that. Nobody should have anything else above God. But do you put anything above God? Or or worse yet, do you enjoy the fruit of others who put things above God? That's what he's talking about when he says, do you rob temples? I would never actually go and worship at the temple, but I would actually go and enjoy the fruit of what other people have worship, brought in worship at the temple. Like, for sure you would never go worship at a pagan temple, but do you enjoy the spoils of those who do? You would never sacrifice your integrity or morality or sexuality or family to idols, but do you pay a subscription to watch those who do for entertainment? Do you buy a ticket to go sing along while someone sings anthems of their idolatry? You would never do it. But do you enjoy the fruit? You abhor the idols, but do you rob the temple? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? And the answer to this one is, yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's the point that Paul's trying to make to all of us who would fit into this religious camp. Yes, you you boast in the law, you claim Jesus' name, but you dishonor God by, by breaking the very law that you say you uphold. Yes, yes you do, and I do. Paul's saying you're doing the same things as those terrible Gentiles. Like you are, you are all excited about, get them, Paul, tell them. Tell them how bad they are. They don't know what we don't know, or they don't know what we know, and they don't believe what we believe. And Paul says, look, but you're doing the same thing. It might be subtle, it might be discreet, but at the end of the day, you're doing the same things. And you know there's a word that we have to to describe people who say one thing and do something else. We have a word for people who condemn something publicly only to practice that thing privately. What's the word? Hypocrite, that's right. Hypocrite. That's what we call people who say one thing and do something else. 
who condemn people publicly for what they're doing privately. They're hypocrites. And as these Jews were, Jewish Christians were glaring down their nose at the Gentiles on the other side of the aisle because in the Jewish person's mind, they don't know how to live to please God. Paul says, you may know better, but you aren't doing better. You're actually just like them. And I found myself doing this very thing just a couple of weeks ago. As I was writing this message, I heard about two pastors who went viral, had viral videos that went out for all the wrong reasons. The first was a pastor in Missouri who leveraged his Sunday morning sermon to publicly chastise his church for not buying him an expensive watch. Like he wanted um, Modova, is that right? Modova, is that one? No, yes. He wanted a Modova watch and he had shared this with his church and his church people did not buy him the watch. And he says, I asked for one last year and y'all didn't get me one and here it is in August and I still don't have it. This was just a month ago. It was in August. And then he goes on this rant and says, am I not worth your McDonald's money? Am I not worth your Red Lobster money? Am I not worth your St. John's knit? Y'all can't afford it anyway. I ain't worth y'all's Louis Vuitton, I ain't worth your Prada, I ain't worth your Gucci. And then he caps the whole thing off by saying, that's how I know that y'all are still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because how y'all honoring me. It was not a good look. And this story went viral. I heard this story driving to the office from our local country station. They had, a, they had a segment talking about this on the local country station in northern Arizona. Not a, not a good look. It was the epitome of entitlement and greed. And it takes Jesus' command to put others before yourself, and it flips it on its head. It is the picture of a shepherd who is fleecing his sheep instead of providing for them, and it was awful to watch. That same week, I heard about another pastor. And this pastor preached a message in his church. He gave an a, a altar call invitation, praying to receive Jesus, I see that hand, I see that hand. And at the end of the sermon, he says, we, we need to do a little family business today. This pastor was forced to resign at the end of the service for an affair that he had committed 20 years before. So he stands up at the end of this service and he admits to the adultery. He confesses the sin and he asks forgiveness from his church. And he says it, it was 20 years ago that this happened and there has 
There's been no instances of sexual adultery since, sexual sin since. But he said, I feel like I still need to resign from this pulpit. And so the congregation heard this and they stood up and they gave him a round of applause as if somehow to to honor his courage, the courage of his confession. But the room quickly changed as a young woman gets up from the back of the auditorium and walks to the front of the church and and picks up a mic, and she identifies herself as the woman that this man had an, an affair with. And she says, wait, 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 you forgot to tell the rest of the story. It wasn't that you just committed adultery, pastor. It lasted for nine years. And you forgot to tell them that I was 16 years old when you took my virginity on your office floor. I heard about both of these stories as I'm studying this text. And I read this, and I'm thinking, these pastors are the problem. They're the problem. This is, this is the kinds of things Paul's talking about. They are hypocrites. They're saying one thing and doing something else. They know better, but they're not doing better. And I sat in that for a couple of days until this conviction kept creeping over me. And it was as if the Holy Spirit was saying, they are the problem. And so are you. So are you, Jason. You think you're better? The truth is, the entitlement that came out of that pastor in Missouri is an entitlement that's in me. It's in me. And it rears its ugly head in moments where I spend 10 or 12 hours prepping and preparing and performing a wedding for someone, and then at the end of the weekend, I get an empty thank you card. Never mind the fact that I get paid a really, really good salary to be able to serve our church in those moments of sacrament. There's something in me that says I'm entitled to more. And there are times when, when sincerely grateful, generous people have given me gift cards. Gift cards to places like Farm Provisions or Starbucks. And instead of feeling honored and grateful and loved, and instead I, I think, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't drink coffee or eat real food. That entitlement is in me. It is disgusting. And here's what I know. If all of my sexual thoughts and attitudes and actions were displayed on this screen, if all of my 
sexual thoughts, attitudes, and actions from the last 20 years were put on this screen before you today? I would be the one forced to resign in disgrace. That stuff is in me. It has never come out of me like it did for this other pastor. But it's in there. And that's what Paul's pointing to. He's pointing out to these religious people. You know better. You know better. But you aren't doing better. You do the same things. The same motivations that drive them drive you. You boast in the law, yet you break the law. You argue that the, hey, the Ten Commandments are the thing. They should be, they should be hanging in all the schools. Like, all the schools should have the Ten Commandments again. That's true. We argue that. That's right. That's right. You tell them, Jason. But here's the question. When was the last time you actually sat down with the Bible and taught the Ten Commandments to your children or to your grandchildren? Like you argue that it should be done publicly, but you don't care to put down your phone long enough to do it for your own family privately. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. But we don't because we're hypocrites. So we lobby for something publicly that we don't care to actually practice privately. We aren't better. We're just as bad as those who don't know and don't follow. And maybe, maybe we're actually even worse because we do know and we don't follow. And what happens to those who claim to know and don't follow? Verse 24. As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. When those, who don't, when those who know better don't do better, when those who know the truth but don't live by the truth, when those who condemn others and do the same thing, when those who claim the name of Jesus live like everyone else, the name of God is blasphemed among unbelievers. That's what happened with those pastors. Like the name of God was blasphemed. To a watching world. Because these men claimed his name. But didn't practice what he preached. But it doesn't just happen to pastors. God's name is blasphemed. In your world. Every time you don't practice what you preach. It is blasphemed every time you say one thing and do something else. Every time your actions and attitude do not align with the faith you claim to believe. A few years ago, uh, the Barna Group, a guy named Steve Lyons, he wrote a book. Uh, Barna Group is a research group who studies faith issues in America. And they did a survey and they asked unbelievers if they knew any born-again Christians. Just, do you know any Christians? 84% of unbelievers say, yes, I know some born-again Christians. The follow-up question was, would you say that their life is noticeably different than yours? 84% of unbelievers, do you know a Christian? Yes. Okay. Is their life 
noticeably different than your life? And only 15% of them said yes. Only 15% said yes, their life is noticeably different than mine. Which means 85% of unbelievers who know a Christian would say, nope, they look just like me. Their life is just like mine. And that's the issue that Paul is addressing here. Yes, they know the right things. Yes, we believe the right things. Yes, we know what to say. We know when to stand. We know when to kneel. We can recite all the stories. We can give all the verses. But at the end of the day, our reality isn't that much different than anybody else's. Like we're watching the same movies, we're binging the same shows, we listen to the same music, we share the same gossip, we prioritize the same self-focused comforts in our life, we share the same foul language, we have the same inappropriate jokes, we accrue the same debt, we waste the same money, we build and buy the same houses, we pursue the same financial goals, we are just as generous and just as selfish. We get the same divorces. We have the same sex before marriage. We buy the same toys. We take the same vacations. We drink the same beer. We wear the same swimsuits. We waste the same time doom strolling, scrolling on our phones. And I, and I say we in all of that because, because it includes me. Like I'm in this thing. And here's the point that Paul is making. If you know better, but you don't do better, then you're not better. You think it makes you better because you know it doesn't. In fact, knowing better actually makes you more culpable. Which is why Jesus says those of you who teach will be judged more harshly because you're more culpable. And no one is more affected by our hypocrisy than our children and grandchildren. You want to wreck faith in the next generation? Teach your children to believe something without actually behaving like you believe something. And you will wreck the faith of the next generation. Because they sniff out our hypocrisy and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Now, here's what I know. This sermon stinks. Like no one wants to be, no one wants to get up early and put on clean clothes and come to church and be told how awful they are. Nobody wants that. None of you got up today and says, let's go to church so we can be yelled at and feel like crap about ourselves. Let's do that. Although some of you knew what you were getting into. We don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear this. But again, Paul's aim here at the beginning of Romans, he starts with the bad news. And as I've said from the beginning, the bad news is worse than you think. But it's only when we begin to feel the weight of how awful we are will we feel the glorious weight lifting when the gospel of Jesus is revealed in our life. Here's the sermon summary today. Knowing better doesn't make you better. And every time that we don't live up to what we know is right, 
The name of Jesus is blasphemed in the eyes of an unbelieving world because of us. But leaving today feeling guilty isn't going to fix anything. Guilt is a terrible motivator. It isn't going to fix anything. So here's what I want you to leave with today. What is one step you can take this week to make your life match what you believe? Just pick one. What is one thing in your life this week, one step you can take, one change you can make that will make your life actually match what you say you believe? When I was 15 years old, I heard someone say it to me this way. What is is one thing that you can do this week to make The tongue in your mouth matched the tongue in your shoes. It's where you're actually walking your talk. Just pick one. And let's do everything that we can by the power of the Spirit in us to align our life with what we say we believe. Father God, we are grateful for grace. It offers us forgiveness for all of the things that we have done that make us blaspheme your name. And I pray today that you would strengthen us by your spirit to begin to walk in a way that actually honors your name, that shows off your glory, that actually draws people in like a light in the dark. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.